What is going on, Ditch the Job listeners? Mark Verde here. In this episode, we're going to talk about how can you start a business selling handmade crafts. So if you are someone who you enjoy creating all these different crafts and you enjoy creating handmade products, how do you turn that into an income source that it can be really good side hustle income and even be the main source of income later down the road. So we'll talk about that with our guest today, who is the author of several craft business books that have shown thousands of people how to start and grow multiple income streams from their handmade products. He has sold his handmade products at some of the top jury shows in the USA and galleries and boutiques from Manhattan to the Grand Canyon, and he's also sold his crafts online using Etsy, eBay, and Amazon Handmade. Our guest who joins us in this episode is none other than James Dillahay. James, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be with you. James, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show, and I feel like this is a new income stream that more people are considering as people get even more creative as to what are the different side hustles that you can pursue. But I'm wondering if we could start off with finding that niche to go into, because there's a lot of different things that you can make or specialize in. I'm wondering if you could talk about your journey in particular and how you decided to niche in on your current product offerings. Yeah, it's a really good way to, to look at it because, um, just finding something that might make you money isn't really the best way to go. I mean, it's, it's really um, it's like your drive, your passion to make this thing happen is going to be related to your, your love for what you do. So uh, you probably run into that a lot with the different people that you interview. They talk about the passion that you have for, for what you're focused on. And, and it was uh, true for me, although, I have to say in the beginning, I, I actually didn't want to do the craft that I chose. Uh, it was kind of given to me as an assignment from a, a teacher. He, he kept insisting, um, this is a guy that travels around the world teaching meditation. He kept insisting that I become a weaver. And uh, I kept saying, uh, no, no, <laughs> I don't think so. But um, Anyway, I, I, after he kept telling me enough times, I finally said, all right, I'm going to do it. So I moved to New Mexico, and a friend of mine here was a weaver. And, and also, she had been an artist before she was a weaver, so she had a really good sense of color. And so I learned the craft, and I learned about design and putting colors together. And people started buying my work. And before I knew it, I was so busy, I... I, I I couldn't even think about going to get a job, nor would I ever want to, because I was making lots more money. I was doing it on my own time. I was following my own rhythm. Uh, if I wanted to start working at 11 o'clock in the morning, I would do it. If I want to work to midnight, I would do it. And um, it, was, it was so much fun to finally have the reins of control of my life, to be able to say when I worked, where I worked, how I worked. and once you learn a craft, regardless of what that craft is, the more you get into it, the more it develops. You, uh, you're, it isn't just about developing the skills. There's a it's like a love relationship and things start opening up. Your creativity opens up, your intuition opens up. It's a, 
it's a wonderful lifestyle and I would really encourage anybody that has that inclination to to move forward in it. And I really love what James said right away where you don't want to be focused on the money, you want to be focused on something that you enjoy. And it's interesting how James initially was a little bit resistant to the weaving, but then he decides to go into it and it's the start of a very wonderful journey that he's been on and just that ability to control your hours, make the money you need to make. Uh, it's a very desirable setup to have. Now, I know that a lot of people now when they think of selling handmade, they think of the online places. They think of Etsy. They think of Amazon Handmade how can someone like make a splash on those platforms? Like, do you suggest that you focus on one platform first or would you say utilize all three uh, right away? Well, definitely start with one. And I would, uh, I always recommend people start with Etsy and that's because it's, it's really built for the handmaker. Um, the, the, the great thing about Etsy is it's very easy to set up a shop uh, they walk you through the process. Um, they don't charge, they do charge fees when you sell an item, but they're not as heavy on the fees as say Amazon handmade. Uh, so I would say start with Etsy. There's, there's tons and tons of free tutorials on YouTube about how to set up a shop. Etsy has a lot of support. They have forums, discussion groups. So there's plenty of support for the beginner. The one thing I would warn you about and this is more of a, a psychological mindset, is that Etsy is big, it's, it's huge. There's over 4 million sellers and most of them are not even making $500 a month. I would say probably 4 million of the four, let's say four and a half million sellers aren't making that much money on there. So I think that one of the pitfalls is that they get on there and they put up a few listings, they don't really, they don't really pay attention to the details. They don't commit to making it work. They just, they're kind of like throwing spaghetti on the wall to see if anything sticks. And a lot of people doing that and it's not working for them. So you're gonna see some whiners and complainers on social media talking about how bad Etsy is. Well, it isn't just Etsy, you know, you gotta take responsibility. You gotta kind of dive in and commit. And you know this from, from your business background that, if you're going to do something, you've got to put your heart and soul into it and, and stay with it. You know, you got to persist. And I really like how, like, when you are getting started with something, it is like throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks, but you do have to get to the point where you're going to go deeper into this. You're not going to just throw stuff at the wall and walk away. You're going to pay attention to stuff that's working for you and then go even deeper in those areas. Etsy being one of those areas where if you're into handmade crafts, uh, that is something that you could certainly go a lot deeper into. Now, for growing on Etsy, uh, I know that a lot of people, they look at the SEO side where uh, like Etsy does the sales for you because you rank for keywords on Etsy and magical things happen, but there is some promotion uh, self-promotion you should also be doing. And I feel like for a lot of these algorithms like Etsy, YouTube, Amazon, et cetera, you have to create that initial push. So I'm wondering what you do to promote your Etsy store and maybe if there's a few strategies that some people are overlooking. 
Yeah, the the you you bring up a good point, which is the SEO part of it, and that's like one of about four things that are really important. And the SEO, of course, has to do with relevancy. So let's say you've got shoppers, and now it's you have shoppers from all over the world in the in the millions that are coming there to that platform, and they're typing in what they're looking for. So uh, one of the things that one of the areas that's big is boho style or bohemian so you got boho clothes you got boho jewelry you got boho this and that and accessories um so so what you want to do is use what's called uh seo keyword research tool and there's a couple of them out there one of them is called marmalade marmalade.com another one is etsyrank.com now both of these are paid services. I know Etsy Rank offers a free, uh, free basic level entry program, but if you're going to do this as a business, it's probably worth investing the ten or twenty dollars a month to get this research, and uh, they give you all kinds of reports, you know, which kind of break down how many people are searching for items like the ones you're thinking about making. Another another great use for these tools is they have what's called a a trending report like they can they can give you a list of the top search phrases on etsy right now or within a recent period say the last 30 days so that gives you a sense of where the market's going now i'm not a big fan of following the market like just going by what everybody else is supposedly buying i i want to look at something and then decide now is this something i would like to make is it something that I could make my own? Like I would, in fact, my most recent product line that I started on Etsy about, I'd say about four or five years ago, was based on a, a trend. And the it was a fashion trend called skinny scarves. And I when, I when I ran my gallery near Santa Fe, New Mexico, I noticed that a lot of my women customers were wearing these really cool looking skinny scarves. And it kind of stuck in my mind, so I did the research, and it turned out that there were like 2,000 people selling some version of skinny scarves on Etsy, which is pretty daunting. You, you look at that and you say, wow, that's a lot of competition. But I had this design concept in mind that was uh, it kind of grew out of my own sense of color for many years as a weaver, and I knew what people liked. I, you know, I've been selling at craft shows, I've been selling in my own gallery. I, I know color. I mean, I'm not just saying that to brag. I really, I just have a good sense about it. So I started, I said, you know what? Maybe there's 2000 people selling this, but they're not, they're not selling what I would be selling. So I took the leap and I, I went in there and I started selling my own version. And sure enough, people started buying my stuff. They started uh, what they call uh, liking it, faving it, you know, and leaving me good reviews and um, so but it did start from that seo point you know i i, I did the research i said all right if there's two thousand people selling it there must be some people buying it so that's where i started with uh with that but i would say that that's seo is only one part of that picture you also have to focus on really good photos i think everybody that's kind of explored etsy you see this advice a lot that your photos is probably, I would say that's your top priority, and then your SEO, and then another thing that you wanna really 
focus in on is your product description. You want you want to describe it in ways that gives the purchaser a sense of the trans transformation that their life is going to go through. Like, how is their life going to be better? Are they going to be more attractive? Are they going to be more glamorous? Are they going to be more hip? Hip, you know. So the, uh, those three things are really really important. And then the fourth thing that has to do with what you would call conversion, like sales conversion, is your price. And that's another area where Etsy rank and Marmalade can help you because they will not only pull up the SEO keywords, they'll tell you what the average price range is. I mean, that's a good list like right there. SEO, photo, description, and price. I mean, those are some of the things, I because I buy stuff on Etsy and that's definitely stuff that I look at uh, before making any of my decisions. Um, for people who are getting started on Etsy, like this isn't a problem for them right away, but it is something you want to think about, especially if you want to be like James and take the handmade crafts, whether it's Etsy or it's Amazon handmade or a combination of options full time. And the thing I want to get into is how do you properly fulfill all the orders? Like with all the shipping, is there a process you have where, um, maybe someone else is bringing this stuff to the post office or is this something that you do like each day you carve it out in your schedule like and the production also like how does all those moving parts work right right so a lot of the production part depends on the craft that you're involved in so so for instance i'm i'm a weaver and a fiber artist so my craft when i just started i wasn't really thinking about those things i was just learning the craft and producing stuff. But as I got more and more into it, I started looking for what I call production tips, ways that would advance the speed without sacrificing the quality. So that that's kind of what what I recommend for regardless of your craft, all you have to do is just like go to Google and type in, all right, say you're you do crochet, crochet production tips, and you'll find tips for how to do it faster and more effectively. When it comes to the point where you're shipping your products out, I actually have a table set aside in my studio that is just my shipping area. So I've got my, my shipping supplies, my boxes, my padded envelopes. If I need it, I've got uh, uh, extra, what do you call the peanuts-like thing to fill in the box. I've got my scissors, I've got my tape. And what's great about selling on Etsy, and this is also true on Amazon Handmade, is that if you buy your shipping through, through Etsy or Amazon, they have a, a relationship with the US Post Office so you can get a discounted rate. So I actually buy the shipping. I've got a little postal scale. I put the finished box on the scale. I found out the amount and then plug it into Etsy's uh, calculator. It tells me how much, I verify the address, I print the label, slap it on the package, and then I go down to the local post office and I don't even have to wait in line. They have a, an area there where you just put your pre, prepaid things and walk away and everybody's happy. And you've saved a little money from wait and, and time because you're not waiting in line. Hmm. Yeah, being able to just drop all the packages at the post office, walk away, that is certainly a big advantage. and. I mean, you do want to be in the situation where you are making a bunch of trips to the post office. Like that is such a great problem to have uh, <laughs> if you are someone making handmade crafts. Uh, but it really does come down to 
optimizing your online store for success uh, and just continuously promoting yourself. Now, uh, for offline, like what are the strategies there? Just finding events, reaching out to the people in charge and like, how would you suggest you build offline? Because I feel like a lot of people think online, but offline, there's still a lot of room there. I think there's actually more growth offline for some artists and craftspeople, or product makers. The, you know, it's, it's tricky because I actually started off doing craft shows. I, I did, um, uh, I don't know, I probably did about 20 shows a year. And while I'm doing shows, uh, inevitably, I would get a store owner who would be walking through the show looking for new artists to carry in their work uh carry in their in their shop so that that i kind of built both ends i was selling wholesale to stores and i was selling retail to customers through the craft shows those are kind of your two main venues for marketing if you're not marketing just online but the thing about it is they all can work together like i, I found people on uh coming to me to my etsy shop who own shops and they say, well, do you wholesale? And so I would sell them directly wholesale through my Etsy shop by giving them a discount coupon. So the typical discount for a store is 50%. And so they would then buy off of my Etsy store using that discount coupon, and then I would ship directly to their store. And I would do the same if I was at a craft show. Um, and I would say the bigger shows, and there are some really big shows out there. I, I've done shows where like the, I'll give you an example. I live in New Mexico. The Albuquerque Balloon Festival is two three-day weekends back to back. And that 10 day period draws in approximately a million people to the state of New Mexico every year. Now this last year, because of COVID, it, was, it, wasn't, it didn't happen, but uh, they're already, I noticed that I'm getting um, emails about shows starting to open up again. Mm -hmm. So as they open up, I can tell you they are going to be uh, amazingly busy because like, as you probably feel it yourself and everybody listening to this, we're ready to get back out in the world. You know, it's like, we kind of had, had enough. I mean, we're, you gotta be cautious, you know, you still gotta be wear masks and all this, get vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. But when this thing breaks loose and we start opening up again, oh man, it's gonna be crazy. I, I, I do a show in Arizona near, uh, it's a little suburb of Phoenix called Tem Tempe, Arizona. It's where Arizona State University is. It's a really cool little college town and kind of funky. And they do this show twice a year in the spring and in the, around the first week of December. And that show draws about 350 to 400,000 people. And there's usually about 500, 600 booths there. It's very competitive to get into the show. And, but I love it. Uh, the, first, the first weekend that I, I did that show, it was a three-day weekend. I did about, I'll say about $8,000 in that weekend. And I actually sold out by Sunday around noontime. So the next year when I went back, I took a lot more inventory and I did something like $12,000 in that weekend. Now, before you go and sign up for the Tempe show to sell your stuff, be aware i've talked to several artists and crafts people when i'm doing other shows and they say oh yeah tempe i did it once it wasn't that great for me so 
just because somebody tells you they did well the show doesn't mean that you will so you got to kind of you know walk the show look at what's selling uh kind of make a, a, a an intuitive intuitive leap and say well do i really think this is a crowd for what i'm making and um sometimes you just got to take a risk i mean it's expensive like the show in tempe is uh, 600 just to get a booth and that doesn't count your motel your food your travel any of that so uh, you wouldn't want to do that just without doing a little bit of research first and when you do offline i mean it is investments and i love how the way james describes his success it's like oh eight thousand twelve thousand but just because one person does it that's not a guarantee that you will do it so uh when you hear something like james talk about his results like that's like your potential or you can exceed that as well but you know that those types of results are possible uh, then you do your research, as James mentioned, and figure out if that's the right event for you. And handmade, there's a lot you could do, whether it's online or offline. Uh, but it's definitely a very interesting industry. I'm very happy we had James on the show to talk about it. Uh, James, for people who want to follow all of your work and journey, maybe even buy some of your handmade crafts as well, where do you suggest we go to follow your work and journey? Well, my... Um I do a lot of writing and teaching about craft business. So I'll send you to my website for those books and the courses, and that's called craftmarketer.com. And my Etsy shop is, um, they're, they're kind of long, the URLs. So I bought a domain name that redirects and it's the number two Etsy.com. That's pretty easy to remember. Mm. We will have those links in the show notes. Make sure you check them out. James, thank you so much for joining us on Ditch the Job. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Hey, thank you, Mark. My pleasure.